Welcome to the Mama Stay Fit podcast, Birth Story Fridays. In this episode, we have Lucia, who's here to share her unmedicated hospital birth with her second child. Welcome to the Mama Stay Fit podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Stay Fit podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals. Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey. We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. Welcome to the Mom and Stay Fit podcast, Birth Story Fridays. Today we have Lucia here to share her unmedicated hospital birth with her second child. In Lucia's birth story, she references having a hematoma after her first birth, which potentially contributed to her fatigue from the blood loss of the hematoma. A hematoma is a buildup of blood outside of the blood vessels that can occur really anywhere on our bodies. But after birth, it can occur in the vaginal canal, on the labia, the vulva, anywhere where a baby just came through because there was trauma that occurred that could lead to having a hematoma. Usually, they don't lead to any complications. You might just need to rest a little bit more as your body slowly absorbs the blood that's in the hematoma. But sometimes it can lead to more complications, especially if it's just growing and growing and getting larger. This could cause pressure on the tissue in vasculature around the hematoma that could cause damage. Or it can also rupture. So there are two complications associated with a hematoma of rupturing or just growing and growing, leading to blood loss. So both of those would lead to blood loss. So it is important to know that a hematoma is a possibility after birth, that most of the time it is completely uncomplicated. It heals on its own but there are complications that can arise from it. And knowing if you have a hematoma from your provider can be helpful after birth. In her birth story, Lucia also shares how she benefited from the Mama Stay Fit prenatal fitness program for her birth preparation and supported her postpartum recovery. The Mama Stay Fit prenatal fitness program comes in two delivery formats, the Team Builder app and on-demand videos. The Team Builder app program comes in a full length where workouts are 45 to 75 minutes in length, but can be shortened as needed. And the program also comes in a mini version where workouts are 15 to 20 minutes in length. In the Team Builder app, our workouts are delivered as a list of exercise with demo videos, but workouts are self-paced. The app program syncs to your current week of pregnancy, so all modifications are based on what you need. The on-demand program is full-length workout videos that you follow as you work out at the same time. This program syncs to your current trimester. All of our prenatal fitness programs include exercises to keep you strong throughout your pregnancy, comfortable by alleviating common issues such as pelvic girdle or low back pain, and prepare you for birth with pelvic opening and pelvic floor exercises. Explore all of our fitness programs at mamastayfit.com backslash fitness programs and use code STORY10 for 10% off our programs. If you want to learn more or see samples of the program, head to the show notes for a link to our freebie to sampling our programming. So welcome to the Mama Stay Fit podcast. This episode, we have Lucia here sharing her second birth story that was in a hospital unmedicated. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be on here. Yes. We're so honored that you're willing to share your story. So let's just dive right in. How was this preparation for this pregnancy different than your first one? 
Yeah. So one of the things that I did differently was doing the Mama Stay Fit fitness program because in my first pregnancy, I did some gentle yoga and meditation, which was really great. And in combination with hypnobirthing, helped me achieve an unmedicated hospital birth for that first birth. But the thing that I noticed afterwards in my postpartum recovery period is that it was like difficult to like lift a gallon of milk and my baby. And I wanted to maintain a level of physical fitness when it came to lifting stuff. So I looked around and I had seen Mama Stay Fit before on Instagram and decided to give this program a try because it looks like to me it it honored the pregnant person's body while also keeping up that level of fitness. <laughs> yes, it's not just lifting light weights. It's a real fitness. Yes. All right. So tell us your story. So other than the preparation with the prenatal fitness, how else did your pregnancy go? Like, did you have any pains? How were your appointments and all of that during your pregnancy? Yeah. So I had moved in the middle of the pregnancy, two hours north. I live in the state of Arizona. And so I was switching providers in the middle of it, which was, it's always fun. What also happened is I'd gone from sea level to 7,000 feet and So there was a lot of Braxton Hicks involved, but also in this particular third trimester, I was experiencing a lot of what I found out after I (laughs) gave birth were actual labor pains. I had gone in to labor and delivery at least once, and they had checked my cervix and they're like, yeah, you, you know, you're good. But it kept happening again and again and again. And it turned out like the day before I visited my OB, I told them, you know, you know, I've had these like several hours of these contractions that wrap around my back and they're like two to seven minutes apart. It happens like once a week. And they're like, oh, we would have brought you in for anyone. <laughs> so if that's happening to you, go in, get checked. It's OK. <laughs> yeah. So that happened a lot. And that was fatiguing me. However, like having a routine to like exercising, but also knowing like towards the end, like I have permission to rest a bit, especially if I've been up with one of those rounds of contractions in the middle of the night was really helpful. And so towards the end, I was starting to taper down. The day that I went into labor the night before, I had had some contractions in the middle of the night and they were starting, I lost my mucus plug at that point too. But it was like midnight and I was really, really exhausted. So I did some labor meditations. I think I used some app like Expectful or something and calmed down enough to go to sleep. Thank goodness. And then woke up at 6 a.m. and they were starting again the next morning. That's when I knew that it was going to be like, oh, this is going to be my baby's birthday because (laughs) they really haven't stopped for that long. Well, that's awesome that you're able to get some sleep before the big show began. Yeah. Yeah. So... Tell us your birth story. Yeah. So you woke up at 6 a.m. Yeah. So I have a three-year-old and she was kind of like watching me have these contractions for a little bit before. Luckily, grandma and grandpa had showed up the day before, which was just very lucky because it was a little bit early. It was like 37 weeks and four days. And they were going to take her to school, but she was watching me beforehand. And at first she tried to harmonize with my, because I'm a little bit of a loud birther. <laughs> and so I make this like, like the uh, cow noises. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> And at first she was trying to harmonize with them. She was like singing. And then I was like, oh, you know, you know, my body's working really hard now. And so I'm making some noise to help it. And what she said in response to that after like, 
I was not stopping doing it. I think it was getting on her nerves. She's like, mom, your exercise noises are making me nervous. I thought that was going to go another direction. I know. I thought it was going to be like super like cute and adorable. <laughs> no. Uh, mom, could you stop? <laughs> she just needed. Let's get. Yeah, I've had enough. So I know her grandparents picked her up and took her to school. And at that point, we had texted my husband and I texted our doula who is Kristen Pearson at Flagstaff Doula. She was great, great support partner, amazing, amazing partner in this birth. And we decided, like, let's go get some tea before <laughs> before this gets intense. So we went and we went out to the local coffee shop and we got some chamomile tea, which was great. Yeah, I just, I loved this stuff. It was, it was really good. It was like the full flower. Which is, I bought like the little packets of dust, like from the local grocery store. And I didn't realize that, you could actually feel sleepy after drinking this type of tea, but this is what I wanted. So we went out, still having contractions like between two and seven minutes apart at this point. Saw this adorable fluffy dog at the coffee shop. And yeah, her owner was like, oh, what are you doing? And was like, oh, look at my contraction timer on my phone. <laughs> it's like, I'm in labor today. And we got back and we met Kristen at our house and we went for a walk in the pines and at this point, I was like stopping and having to squat with every <laughs> contraction. But that was really relaxing. So I like to be able to move through these. And it was about like mid-morning at this point. We got back to the house. And the funny thing about this labor was through the entire thing, we never hit that like, oh, these are regular five minutes apart for 50 seconds kind of a thing. It was like, if I was lying down on the floor, they would slow down to like 10 minutes apart. They would get up and walk and it happened like every 50 seconds. It was a little bit difficult to decide when to go in, but I started shaking, you know, the like transition shakes. And then I was starting to have those special types of contractions where it feels like one half of your body is trying to escape from the other half. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I feel like this is this is a signal. So we drove into the hospital and then met our doula there and did the whole thing where, you know, and if you have a hospital birth, they will give you a ton of papers in the middle of your contractions to sign. And you just kind of like go through them. <laughs> At that point, one tip that Kristen gave me that I thought was super helpful was like, once you get to the bathroom in the hospital, like after that, there's a lot of procedures going to happen. Like they're going to try to fit the Heplock and check you and just take as long as you want in that bathroom. So that's what we did. I took my husband in with me because I just thought at that point in the labor, it would be good to have someone there the whole time and relaxed there and had a few contractions in the bathroom and they came out. Everyone who was looking at me at that point was like, we think we're going to like check you in, but let's check you anyway. <laughs> and at that point, I was at seven centimeters uh, dilated. And they said beyond that, he's like, his head's really low, which I could tell because it was kind of a, <laughs> well, kind of a funny thing throughout the pregnancy is like he had these really intense hiccups, this little boy, and he still does post-birth. It's kind of adorable. But I was feeling walking in was I was feeling his hiccups like behind my pubic bone playing. And I was like, all right, he's, he's, I know he's low. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm I'm aware of this. <laughs> and so uh, we moved into the room for birth. And there was a midwife who I'd seen previously when I'd gotten checked for these contractions. And like I knew I liked her. And so one thing my doula was able to do was go and get in contact with her and say, hey, like, come come look at this this birth. It's uh, it's going to be unmedicated. And the, the midwife was like, oh, yeah, let's let's do it. So she came into the room and started attending while I was in transition. And at that point, they were getting closer and closer together. 
very soon afterwards, I was feeling that urge to push. And I spent a lot of time on all fours, like at home, but also in the hospital. And again, like I was kind of grateful I'd done the Mama Stay Fit program there because there's so much like upper body attention. And that was really helpful because I was like on all fours for like half an hour at a time often. And that's just a lot of work for a laboring body. And that was very, just very helpful because afterwards I felt the soreness like in my lats and I was like, oh, I was using them the right way. It's awesome. (laughs) So I was laboring on all fours for a bit and then I tried my side and it's just interesting. Like positionally, I had felt that pushing in that position would feel good. And then I realized that my, uh, Kristen, the doula and, and the midwife were moving my leg back a bit. And one of my legs can like dislocate at will. And then I was like, oh, this is actually not going to work because I could feel it like moving out. <laughs> so we don't want to do that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I forget what it is. I had visited a physical therapist who was like, you have this thing where, that a lot of people have where like your cells are just more stretchy. And so you can. Like, was it like Ehlers, Danlos? Maybe. She never gave me the name of it, but you know, it's just like one of those things where it's just like my body stretches a lot. And sometimes we need to be careful about where we do that. It's the same thing like with prenatal yoga, I have to be aware of the same thing. Yeah. So we ended up moving on to my back. And at this point, I was pushing and getting some like great direction from the midwife who was telling me, you know, like it's, you've been enduring the contractions for a while, but now it's time to kind of lean into your power and use them to push this little guy up. She was also doing things to help with tearing prevention, which so I had um, warm compresses and she was doing some like massage and telling me like where to push into, basically like push into your butt if I was in that position. And that was really helpful. And at this point, Something that was <laughs> I, I didn't expect was happening, which is my water hadn't broken yet, so I was pushing the amniotic sac out. That was pretty exciting and cool, and other people were more excited than I was at that point. That <laughs> was just <laughs> you were probably like, well, "Can we like break it or something? Like, can the baby come out as well?" <laughs> but no, it's really cool to see. Yeah, a midwife offered to break it. And I was like, you know what? Let's just keep going with it, which I think in the end kind of helped stretch me out a little bit too, all like unidirectionally. <laughs> but. Yeah, that was, I remember like between contractions, looking down and being like, oh, I'm having like all these medical professionals are kind of like nerding out. <laughs> Just, it was fun to see. But eventually I think once it created like this pressure differential because there was like a bubble and then his head came down and then it popped. So he was just partially in the sack. But then at that point, you know, I felt the head and that's definitely where <laughs> where the intensity level changes a lot, at least for me. And this was something that I had done that was different from my first birth, the midwife was encouraging me to kind of pause in the middle of pushes, which I didn't appreciate at the time. (laughs) But because, you know, it's like, oh, I'm almost there. And then we have to prolong this, this most intense part. But uh, I think, again, that really helps. I only ended up with like one very superficial tear at the end. And after I had, you know, gotten the head out and his body kind of followed very quickly, and I was holding him and he was angry. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a very, very smooth delivery. It was about two and a half hours from the point where I was signing those hospital papers to holding my baby. And I really attribute the smoothness of this delivery to things like, you know, staying fit during pregnancy, but also having done like a hypnobirthing for my first birth and then having... Kristen with me and my husband is a, a great support partner as well, was always encouraging 
during that entire time. So yeah, it was really a very happy, positive birth experience. I feel like being postpartum now, I'm like going to cry because I just love hearing stories of births that like you just felt so happy afterwards. Did you notice like a difference in your postpartum from having done all of the prenatal fitness in this pregnancy versus your last postpartum as well? Yeah. And my last postpartum, it was overall very like positive birth experience, right? I had had a wonderful doula with that one too. But I had sustained a couple of birth injuries. Um, I had like a hematoma and a second degree tear. And then also I just felt very weak. <laughs> and I think a little bit was, I know Roxanne, I've been following along with your birth story. A little bit of it was that like with my first postpartum, I had had some extra bleeding and things like that. <laughs> but it was also that, you know, I was doing a lot of just uh, stretching <laughs> during pregnancy and meditating, which again, like I kept that up with the second one because those practices have huge benefits, but I hadn't done anything to maintain basically strength. So yeah. This time around, yeah, I can like pull that chocolate milk out of the fridge for my three-year-old and pour it. It's great. Awesome. <laughs> Basic life skill. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely, it was something, so I was a little bit intimidated by the Mama Stay Fit program because it was like, this one is for athletes. The bubble bone is like, well, I spend, like, I had never been like in a competitive athletic environment, but I, you know, spent a significant amount of time per week working out and looking at the program, I was like, okay, I can do this. And I know it's going to be better. <laughs> I also thought it helped slightly with C. I have like pretty bad first trimester nausea. And I thought that the like getting my blood circulating by lifting stuff kind of helped in that trimester as well. Not that that's like a postpartum benefit, but it's definitely a, a benefit. Comfortable pregnancy and energy is a huge benefit, I think, of working out during pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> especially that first trimester. Yes. Yes. 100%. But yeah, postpartum, hematoma, mm -hmm. blood loss could definitely affect your like energy and your fatigue level. But I do believe that the fitness program is the reason why I didn't feel as bad as I could have postpartum as well. So in reflection, how do you feel about this birth? What things contributed towards more of a positive experience and what were things that you wish might have been different? It was honestly like I was processing it with my husband the other day and was honestly like, I don't know if this one could have been any different, like in a better way. Because <laughs> with our first, it was like, this was a very positive experience. It was like one of the happiest days of our lives. But there were some things like at the hospital was very busy with our first. And so I was getting pushed to push and things like that. <laughs> Whereas with this one, it was a very relaxed environment. We're all talking and joking between contractions in the hospital with all of the medical staff. And it just went incredibly smoothly. And the recovery, like I didn't know, like I Googled, like, is it normal to stop bleeding at this point? Because <laughs> I like, you know, with the with the extra bleeding with my first, I was expecting like two months of bleeding and, and pain and things like that, whereas it wasn't wasn't this way this time around. So yeah, and just also kind of knowing, just having had the experience with the first one to work off of and be like, okay, this is what I liked there. And this is how, I, th I think that's a pretty common story with second births, right? Where it's like, yeah, yeah. I know what I want now, basically. <laughs> and so you can work on work on getting that. So like not improving, but like just changing your birth in a way that you lead to a more positive experience compared to even though the first one was positive. Right. I feel the same way about my first and second birth. I was very happy with my first birth, but my second birth in the, the tub in the birth center was definitely way more of a positive experience. 
But what is some advice that you have for others who may find themselves in a similar situation of either like delivering in a hospital? Because again, not all of us can deliver at home or out of the hospital, but also like moving in the middle of your pregnancy and having to like find a provider that you still jive with in like a hospital that you still jive with for that birth. Yeah. Yeah. That, there's a, a lot that <laughs> I could say to that that question. One within giving birth in a hospital, um, whether you're going for unmedicated or not, or you've got, you know, whatever your birth situation is there. I found having a doula very helpful, right? Because doulas cannot, they cannot speak for you. But what they can do is they can offer kind of like a pause. <laughs> so they can say, oh, were you sure? Okay. So they're offering this procedure were you sure you wanted that? Because once, for me, once I'm like in transition, I'm kind of like, I'll just do whatever is being kind of offered to me at that moment. And it can be hard to remember like, oh, I did want things like I wanted to slow down during the head part or whatever. You know, um, I think if you are going into a hospital birth, I think having a doula can be, make a huge difference there. Also, yeah, I don't know what else to say about about that particular situation, but for moving during pregnancy and just having like life changes in general while you're pregnant. For me, one of the things that I worried about a lot actually during that time, it wasn't like, it was just chaos and that's <laughs> that's the way it was. But one of the things I worried about was, and I think this is pretty common for uh, maybe second time moms, is like, oh, I'm not connecting with my baby in the same way. Like I had so much meditation time for my first because I didn't have already have a child and I was working part-time back then as opposed to full-time now and I just worried like oh am I forming this connection correctly are they is this little baby is he getting what he deserves from his mom you know what was helpful for me to remember then is like my body is is taking care of that and it's sustaining him and it's holding him (laughs) and showing him love just by like having that heartbeat and being there for him so that was really helpful to for me to remember when my mind was so focused on things like moving and, you know, a toddler. <laughs> yes. Um, and we had some travel and other life changes happening at that point too. So uh, that was just a helpful thought for me to remember. No, that's like an awesome thought. I like that way to like kind of change it instead of like feeling almost guilty that you're not spending as much time with them maybe that that you could with your first like, I could nap so much with my first. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> do so much. But then once you add a toddler into the pregnancy, it does take away that amount of time that you can like sit down and necessarily bond with that baby. Like people read to their babies, sing to their babies, and you just don't have, you don't have enough hours in the day to do that. (laughs) So I like that, like your body is taking care of them. Yeah. But thank you so much for sharing your story, coming on here to the podcast and sharing it with all of our followers as well. We love that we were one, able to be a little bit part of your story with the prenatal fitness, but also just hearing your story and the empowered and strong you felt afterwards is amazing. So thank you so much. Thank you. In Lucia's birth story, she shares how her contraction pattern did not match or align with what was typical for somebody that was in active labor. So she was unsure when to go to her birth location. And so we're going to discuss what the standard or most typical contraction pattern looks like per phase of labor so that you have an idea of when to go to your birth location or to call your birth team if they're coming to you. And then we're also going to talk about other ways to know that your labor is progressing in case your contraction pattern does not match what is standard for that phase of labor. So during the phases of labor, there are different contraction timings that are typical. Early labor, they're typically 15 to 20 minutes apart, or really just anything more than 10 minutes, you're typically in early labor. 
early active labor anywhere from five to 10 minutes apart. Active labor contractions are usually two to three minutes, but anywhere from two to five minutes apart. And then transition, same thing. They're usually around two to five minutes apart. So those are the standard timeframes of each phase of labor. So let's break down each part of labor so that you can understand what the standard timeline tends to be, but more importantly, other signs to let you know that you're in that phase of labor. So the first phase is going to be early labor. During this phase, contractions typically are more than 10 minutes apart. So you're going to feel your contraction build, it peaks, and then it's going to release and let go. So I would describe a contraction similar to like a wave, or if you've ever had a Charlie horse, which if you're pregnant, you've probably had one in your calf, where you feel it building, it peaks in intensity, and then it releases, but you can kind of still feel it lingering for a little bit. Contractions are going to have a change of intensity during the contraction. So you're going to feel your contraction build, it's going to peak in intensity, and then it's going to release, but you're going to kind of feel a residual effect from that contraction for a little bit of time. And so if you're having contractions like that, typically they're going to be happening every 10 minutes or more. But just because the timing is 10 minutes or more doesn't always mean that you're still in early labor. What we're looking for is more of a temperament. So in early labor, you're typically not affected by the contractions and you're not affected in between either. So you can go about your day, you can sleep, you can eat, you can carry it on a conversation during the contraction and in between. So that's my big clue that somebody's still in early labor. In early active labor, this is again when those contractions are kind of like five to 10 minutes apart. And during the contraction, it is like a commercial break too. If you're having a conversation with someone, this is when you need to stop focus. You're no longer kind of aware of the things going on. You you just focus on the contraction. And then as soon as that contraction is over, you pick back up to what you're doing. So you're like in between contractions, still pretty happy, maybe laughing, having conversations. But during that contractions, you're not present to what is happening around you. So that's the big temperament clue that you're in early active labor where your labor is progressing in intensity, but we're not quite in active labor yet. Is during the contraction, you are solely focused on your labor, but then in between you're returning in the conversation, you're returning to whatever it is that you were doing. So you're in the middle of a conversation, you're talking and laughing, you pause for the contraction and then you return back to the space. This is a big clue that you're still in this early active time frame. So even if the timing doesn't quite line up to this five to 10 minutes, if you're still very present in between contractions, we're probably still in early active labor. The next phase is gonna be active labor. And this is usually the time you wanna start thinking about heading to your birth location, depending on your pain relief preferences, how far your birth location is. In active labor, contractions are typically two to three minutes apart, but they can be anywhere from two to five minutes apart. And again, they can be a little bit more sporadic like Lucia's were as well. And so the key things that we're looking for to know that we're in active labor is going to be the temperament. And I like to describe active labor as the sleepy drunk person that's at the bar. They are in their own little world. And so during the contractions, you are solely focused on labor. You're in your own world. You are focused completely on that contraction. And then in between, you stay in your own little world. You're not returning to the space anymore. You're not answering questions. You're not having conversation. You are just kind of doing your own thing. But if somebody does ask you questions or somebody tries to talk to you, you can come out of it a little 
to answer the questions. Maybe there's a little delay to it, but it's a little bit harder to engage in conversation. And so key things that I look for with my own doula clients is when their partner begins to be the one that starts primarily communicating with me via text message or phone calls. So they're texting me, my client is texting me, they're the ones that are telling me how their labor is going. And then all of a sudden it's their partner that is texting me now. That's usually when I know that they're starting to transition into active labor or they're probably in active labor because looking at their phone to communicate with somebody is just too taxing mentally. And so that's a big clue to me that somebody is in active labor. So if your contraction pattern is not matching that two to five minutes or preferably around that two to three minute time frame, but you feel like you are not involved in the space anymore, like you're no longer present in the space anymore, this can be a good sign that you're in active labor and you may want to consider going to your birth location. Again, depending on how far it is, if there's a bunch of traffic, is it rush hour right now? Like how do you get to your birth location? Is it via private or public transportation? And then also what your pain relief preferences are. If you're really wanting an epidural as fast as possible, you may want to start heading to your birth location as soon as you feel a little bit out of it. If you're wanting an unmedicated birth and your hospital has a lot of options available to you, such as a really nice tub or shower, you may want to go to your birth location to continue to labor there. If your hospital does not have a lot of nice options to help support an unmedicated birth, you may want to show up a little bit later than right away. During transition, this is a very stressful time. Your body's releasing a lot of stress hormones to one, amp your baby up to live on the outside, take breaths, eat on its own, but also it's amping you up to push your baby out. You need a lot of like energy to push a baby out. So this can be very overwhelming. So however you respond in a stressful situation is usually how you're going to respond in transition. If you start to notice like that you're still at home and you're starting to feel very confused or starting to doubt yourself or feel like this is never going to end and having this kind of huge temperament change from active labor to suddenly starting to feel very overwhelmed or stressed, that might be a sign that we should probably head to our birth location as soon as possible because you are probably entering transition at this point. And again, the contraction pattern is usually that two to five minutes apart, but there are some times when people can be in transition and their contraction pattern is like two to 10 minutes apart and it's not really consistent. So having that like awareness to all of a sudden the stressful change in yourself might be a sign you should get to the hospital before you have a baby in the car. So in summary, we have these normal ranges of contraction patterns for each stage of labor of that first stage of labor. But that is not always true for all of our bodies because we are individuals. So sometimes we're relying more on the temperament changes that you're seeing in yourself rather than that contraction timing is a better indicator of when maybe you should head to your hospital or birth location. Thank you for joining us and listening to this episode. If you want more support throughout your pregnancy, join our prenatal fitness programs and childbirth education course. If you need more support after birth, join our prenatal fitness programs and education courses. If you're a professional, we offer birth worker and fitness trainer courses so you can learn from us and earn CEUs. Explore all of our courses on our website at mamastayfit.com and use code STORY10 to save 10% off all of our programs. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow our podcast to be notified when we release new episodes. Leave a review, share with your friends, tell everyone you know, scream to your neighbor to listen to the Mama Stay Fit podcast. We release new episodes every Wednesday and new birth stories every Friday. So thank you for tuning in.